Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It is Friday, and you know what that means. I have a conversation lined up with a collector that is bringing some insights. You are going to want to listen closely. I had my notepad out. She was talking about things that were like next level hobby operating and collecting. And I wanted to make sure I called those out and we asked some more questions uh, when she was going down some of these paths. Ton of good insight. I am joined by Lauren. Lauren is LFGoalie31 on Instagram. She has just an outstanding Brady PC. She collects Patrick Raw, Derek Jeter, some Peyton stuff in there. Just a lot of cool cards, as her bio said. You like what I'm doing over here? Hit that subscribe button. Tell a damn friend you're enjoying Stacking Slabs. Without further ado, let's kick into that conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. I am excited uh, for this conversation. I was actually just looking before I hopped on with my guest, and the person who brings us together um, is actually doing, it will have happened already, but he's doing his second um, Brady top 10. So I want to thank Kevin, the captain 37, who's been on the show for a while. I started following today's guest after the first top 10. And so I was like, all right, well, I need to eventually get her on the show to talk about her collecting, um, Brady, a bunch of other topics, but I'm excited today. I'm joined by Lauren. You know her at LFGoalie31 on Instagram. Lauren, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Brett. I'm so excited to be here. I've, I've been listening to your show. I look forward to it every week. You're a great ambassador for the hobby. You know, you just bring such a positive perspective and I just enjoy listening to your guests and you. I, I learned so much from your pod. Thank you. Thank you for no, what you do for the hobby. Appreciate that. I got to ask you before we get into the card stuff, I noticed on your page, former college ice hockey player. You got a last episode. We had Mikey, who's a current college baseball player. We're bringing in collegiate athletes. Uh, just uh, not very, uh, just organically happening. T- tell me a little bit about that experience. So ice hockey goes back in my family, you know, it it brought my parents together um, and they were lifelong season ticket holders of the Providence Bruins, who's the Boston Bruin AHL affiliate. Um, So I grew up around hockey. My first love uh, finally convinced my parents to throw some ice skates on me and uh, I hadn't taken them off for a long time played throughout high school. Um, when I was playing, not really any girls teams around. So if you wanted to play and you were a girl, you had to play on a boys team, which up the ante, you know, it, it made you better. It made you more competitive. Um, and I went on to play um, ice hockey at Providence College, and it, it was one of the best experiences of my life. That's awesome. I figure like represents you on in the hobby. It's your brand and handle. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Obviously you're a former college athlete. 
Can you talk maybe a little bit about just like your connection points with the hobby? Has this been uh, has this been something you've been in for a while? Are you a returning visitor? You you new to the hobby? Share a little bit about your experience. Yeah, my my story is not unlike most. You know, it nostalgia always brings us back. Um, starting as a kid, you know, playing with the kids in the neighborhood, um, collecting cards, and and at that time, card shops were all over. We had maybe four within a few mile radius of the house. So you could take, you know, your five, $10 allowance, go to the card shop and come home with a handful of packs. And as time went on, the card shops one by one closed and interest kind of waned and faded and, you know, life took over, you know, not unlike the other stories we hear about people involved. And then one Christmas, I want to say it was around 2010 as a stocking stuffer. I ended up getting a couple packs of cards in my stocking. I opened them and I couldn't believe how much cards had changed in that many years since when I was a kid. Now cards had pieces of jerseys in them. They had autographs, um, shine to them. I was used to cardboard that you would put into your wheel spokes and your bicycle. So it piqued my interest. Um, and when I asked, you know, the person that gifted me the cards, hey, where'd you get these? They said, oh, the local card shop just opened down the road. So I went there and um, went to check it out. And it was, a, you know, a great guy. We're, we're still friends to this day. He's one of my best friends um, that owned that card shop. Um, I went in there that day. He explained, you know, where the hobby was at, where cards were at currently. Um, he explained this thing called a break. They were doing a break that weekend. I had no idea what a break was. I ended up signing up for it and it created a weekly ritual. Uh, every Friday night, the same group of us would head to the card shop and we'd, we'd do breaks, we'd trade, and it, it just created some lifelong friends in the hobby. That's an amazing story. And so I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned before we got on, uh, you mentioned that like you're you kind of live in the same area as Kevin the captain. He's bringing these Brady collectors together. Um, you 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 mentioned so so there's that there's there's a connection point with another local collector. You mentioned the LCS uh, that you go to. Like how important has like through your progression in the hobby has it been to have like relationships like you have with like a hobby friend like Kevin, and then also have a um, LCS kind of that is helping educate you building relationships in just a place you can go to like escape and have fun. I think relationships is really the cornerstone of the hobby without relationships. What's the point in collecting and being able to share it, share a card, share interests, share sports with someone of the same, you know, same mindset, you know, relationships have, has really progressed my card collecting and, Frankly, I learned the most, you know, we talk about research all the time, you know, going on and looking up pop reports. The best kind of research for me is talking with other collectors and picking their brains. Um, and that's where I think relationships are at. No doubt. And so I think like what, one thing I've noticed about just like your collecting, I know it's not exclusive to TB12, but you, I feel like it's your primary focus. and. There are the Tom Brady like player collecting community is it's pretty special. I'm not in it, but I observe and I 
host uh, people on this show. And it's just a special group of people that I've found um, that are not only passionate about their guy and Brady, but also have a willingness to help others out because it's undeniable that his market has just exploded. Um, it's kind of like, I'm sure you've all sat back and we're like collecting Brady forever. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to collect Brady's the goat. He's my favorite player. And then all of a sudden there's been this like uh, storm coming in of all these new people. And I think instead of people in that community saying, get out of here, like not in my group, like everyone that I've spoken to has been very open to the education component to new people coming in. So maybe like, before we get into the cards and what you like, like talk a little bit about the the Brady market and the community. Yeah, you make all great points. Um, you know, growing up in Rhode Island, obviously Tom Brady was very local to us. So, you know, every Sunday you were watching the New England Patriots play and especially Tom Brady and and just how he took over the team at, at such a really came out of nowhere, obviously being such a low draft pick, very low expectations. Um, you know, I think he was just a relatable player. Um, he didn't, he wasn't, you know, the number one draft pick. I know your, uh, your guy there, Peyton, he came in with all the expectations of a number one draft pick, not, not Tom Brady. I think having that relatability to us, normal quote unquote people, <laughs> um, I think that attracts us to him. Um, and you know what, there's, there's 22, 22 years now worth of cards to collect for him. So whether it be you're a collector of jerseys, shiny patches, autos, uh, refractors, rookie, there's so the options are endless, how you want to go about collecting him. And I think that's what makes it attractive as well. When I always have to ask this question, especially people who are in New England, who are Brady fans and collectors, what has the experience of him transitioning to Tampa, winning a Super Bowl, retiring, coming back? Like, what what has your like perspective been through watching Brady from afar and him not necessarily being the quarterback of your team? Like, what's what's that experience been like? I feel like people at are at either one end of the spectrum or another. They're like, Brady left us. That's it. I'm done with him. I, I can't watch him play in a Bucks uniform. I personally have developed so much more respect for him, being able to pick up and go to a brand new system, brand new coach, um, someone at his age, and being able to accomplish what he accomplished in a short time at Tampa Bay. I've just developed so much more respect for him as a player and his abilities and really what he can, how he, the high level he can perform at, at the age he can perform. It's, it's incredible. I've told this story before, but you know, me as the, the Peyton and the Colts guy and Brady, he's the, he's the kryptonite. And so for so long, it was like, oh gosh, like not him again. And it was, he was the, he was my enemy as just a fan and it took him to leave New England, and I'll never forget it when they won the NFC Championship against uh, against uh, Green Bay, when he had three picks, three touchdowns, and he made like in winning time the play. I remember leaning over to my wife, we're watching the game, and I just said, "I am so exhausted from being the Tom Brady <laughs> hater. Like I'm gonna sit here, look at what this guy's like." Look at what he did. And the whole narrative that I used to say would say, oh, yeah, well, he's 
it's because of Belichick or, oh yeah, because it's the the system. But then like to your point for him to leave and then go do it something else, like he made the, he made himself undeniable to all of us as sports fans. Absolutely. And, and you made a good point, like his popularity, it's just, he's popular because people hate him. At the same time, he's popular because people love him. Um, he's just not, you know, one of those players that either you're a fan of him because you're he's on your team. No, everyone else hates him because he's not on their team and he's beating your team. So he's got double the fan base, those who love him and those who hate him. Yeah, it's it's been a little bit of, ever since the luck retirement. It's been a little bit of a quarterback carousel here in Indianapolis, and I, I I would be lying if I didn't say like throughout this I was saying I wonder if we might be talking to Brady or potential like we I'm not gonna lie like I would have loved to see him wearing Colts blue, um, but maybe let's talk a little bit about like the cards. So I, what I've gathered and, and maybe like let me know if this isn't right, but I've gathered like from the Brady collecting perspective, you've got people who collect Brady rookie cards, people who collect Brady patches, people who collect uh, shiny stuff. And then maybe it's people kind of playing all the three of those different spaces. But is that like a good like way to like build categories around like the primary segments of, of, of Brady collectors? I think it's become so difficult now, especially if you're just trying to either get in the hobby or get into Brady to diversify what you're collecting in the primary barrier being price. It's, you know, you only have so many resources. You really got to be judicious about how you're going to focus your collection. I went through that quite a bit the last few years. Um, You know, I, I started off my collection had no focus whatsoever. I was after any legend, any star. I was doing so many breaks. I had amassed just a random collection of stuff. But to try and focus in, like you said, there's 22 years worth of cards that he has out now. Whether it be your focus is on game-worn jerseys. You have 22 years worth, well, not quite maybe 18 years worth of game worn jerseys that you can, that's a market in and of itself. Like each segment that you named, whether it's the shiny stuff, the rookie stuff that can go so deep in and of itself that the hunt could last forever for you. And that's really why, why I like to focus on Brady and even have more narrowly focused on the, the areas that I'm collecting. And it's, it just makes it fun to be able to pick and choose what you want to collect of Brady and head down those rabbit holes. Yeah. So I know you've got some, some bangers. Uh, I just like, I'm looking at your Instagram account right now. And the last card you posted was a 2014 Panini flawless patches, Emerald out of five Brady flawless card with just a ridiculous patch. Uh, Maybe like, (laughs) Talk about like why 2014 flawless, why it's significant, like that card, like just share, share some perspective. Cause it's, it's an incredible card. And I know it's very desirable within the, the Brady market. So I think my focus on Brady started in 2014. When I went to the national, I, I think it was in Cleveland. Um, it was my second national that I was going to. And at the time, my, my collection was primarily Peyton, 
Brady and Derek Jeter. So I, those are the three guys I was after at that national, um, walking around, I came up to, you know, uh, a dealer's table. He's very well known. Um, he had crazy, crazy Brady's, um, looking, um, you know, want to inquire about a card. He could not even pay attention. I couldn't even get his time of day. Did not want to deal with me. Finally, I got him, got his attention, asked him about a card. I think he gave me uh, 30 seconds that he took his eyes up off his phone to tell me the price. I made him a counter offer. He didn't even hesitate, took my counter offer. And I bought this card. And it was the 2014 um, Tom Brady Emerald Patch Auto. And this was the starting point of my love for Flawless. So you'd be amazed what I paid for it at the time. (laughs) This was when Flawless just had come out. So it didn't have the Aurora or the appeal that it has today. No one knew, you know, the standard it was going to set for cards. So, you know, I paid for the card, got the card. And as I'm walking away, I, I could hear the dealer, you know, snickering and laughing to his partner as if he, he pulled one over on me. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I probably overpaid for it, but it's, I love the card. So this really set the groundwork for my Brady collection. And ever since then, I've, you know, been focused on 2014 Flawless. I think the, the design of it is just special. Um, the cards are encased. Obviously, they're on-card autographs. The, the logo patches are incredible. Yeah, that, that's really set off my collection and how I wanted to focus it was, was that purchase back in 2014, not knowing what Flawless would become. Look who's, la- look who's laughing now. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, I don't hold grudges. And, you know, I, I get it. I was probably one of, I don't know five women at that national. So he probably figured I was just window browsing, not taking anything seriously, but I'm glad I got the card. It's, it's, uh, I'll never forget it. You know, going back to, to our friends and showing, showing the card off. The first thing they said is I can't believe how much you paid for that card. I'm like, I don't care. I had to have this card. And, you know, looking back, it was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made card collecting. That that's amazing story. Um, definitely want to get more into like some of the Brady stuff that you have, but you mentioned it, like you were at that show in 2014, you were one of five women. I think like, you know, I was at the national last year and it was, there wasn't an overwhelming population of women at the show, but there was definitely more than five. Like you being a female collector in the hobby, I've talked with some amazing women collectors that, are passionate. There's women of the hobby, which is group. Like there was on stage uh, in Vegas, um, definitely panel discussions around this topic. Like, have you seen the, it progressed to there being more, uh, more of a community around women and collectors in the hobby, or do you think there's still some roadblocks that could really be removed in order for like everyone to like be viewed and have the perception that it's kind of like an even playing field for everyone? Yeah, they're, women of the hobby, they're awesome. Christina from Card Ladder, um, Sharon, Black Jade, Wolfio, all people I look up to and admire that are really paving the path for um, women to get into the hobby. I still think it's where uh, we're still of the minority, clearly. I, 
you know, going to local shows, there's, there's not, I don't, I don't see a lot of women, you know, walking around. Um, I do notice though, a, a difference in attitudes and especially with the chain of recent events with the, you know, the, the flawless break. I really appreciate the reaction the hobby had as a whole to that situation. It, it just brings to light how progressed we've come as a hobby. It's respect. It's um, yeah, I, I still get that occasionally when I go to shows, you know, I'm carrying around my box and the first, you know, if it's a dealer, I'm not familiar with, you know, they'll say, Oh, are you looking for wrestling? Are you looking for Pokemon? And it's like, why would you jump to that conclusion? Um, and they'll say, Oh, can I, can I see what's in your box? I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Why not? And all of a sudden they open the box and like, Oh, okay. I, I get it now. It's, it's unfortunate that it's gotta be proven that way that, you know, we're serious collectors in the hobby and we have to prove it to be taken seriously. Um, it should just be assumed just like everyone else that goes to a show, you're a serious collector. Um, but I think it makes me appreciate my friends in the hobby so much more that I've known since the beginning that, you know, I turn to, I trust to, and I do most of my um, buying and trading with the same three to six people. Even when I'm at a national, it just seems it's the same people I gravitate to because we trust one another. We respect one another. Um, it just makes me appreciate them more seeing what I say. So uh, maybe like before we get back on the Brady card topic, you said, you know, 2014, when this product came out, you've been in the hobby since it's, there's been some progression. I've, there's new people, new people coming in every day. So like new women that are listening to this show, listening to this conversation, like what feedback do you have for them? Like what, what advice can you give to any new female collector who's coming into the hobby? Just things that you've learned along the way. I think the biggest thing I've learned is create relationships, you know, start conversations with people like mindedness and that will spider web naturally, you know, being friends with Kevin. Now I'm friends with five other people. It, it just spider webs. Um, so I think creating relationships right away and finding people that you can connect with, relate to, you share the same hobby interests with, you know, you collect the same type of cards. I, I think that's the best piece of advice I can give. And, you know, it just makes it easier when you're at shows to, you know, go find those people that you already have relationships with and start, start there. I love it. Back to the Brady cards. I can't remember if this was like DMs between us or what it was, but I know there's a story you have um, regarding, I think your 2000 Bowman Chrome Brady refractor. Um, I, I, I can't like, I just, I, I made a note that was make sure you ask her about that. What's first of all, like, I don't know, people talk about like what the football card is and like, you know, like the 86 Jordan or whatever, like to me, like, that card is football cards, like shiny Bowman Chrome Brady rookie card. Like, I don't know. It's you, you can't really ask for much more. 
I know you own one. Maybe like, what's the story behind it? Yeah, this this was a very, very recent acquisition and had some a few sleepless nights over it. Um, it it's been on my wish list for a very, very long time. So part of my Tom Brady collection focus is trying to acquire a rookie card in his pro uniforms from every every set. So that that's something, you know, I'm trying to tick one by one off the list. And the Bowman Chrome Refractor was way up there. I I almost put it on the the untouchable, the unreachable, kind of told myself, hey, I, I missed the boat on this one. I'm never gonna be able to get into it. Um but I had the opportunity recently. Again, it it's it's one of my closest hobby friends that I always deal with. Um 401 sports cards, Paul, he's he's a great, great guy. Um and he he had an a duplicate. He has a PSA nine and he had this PSA 8.5. And we've done many, many deals in the past. And it's a card I knew I would never be able to have enough cash on hand to acquire. So I knew it was going to take a lot of card equity to get into. Um, And I knew the cards that it would take and it it was going to be blood, sweat, and tears to give some of them up. And it, it hurt to give some of them up. But whenever I, you know, one of the things I think about trading PC cards for PC cards, what is the replacement value? I mean, the cards I gave up, I told myself if I had to, I knew I could replace these cards down the line. It wasn't going to hurt as bad. But I knew my chances of of trying to get into a Bowman Chrome Refractor, my the opportunities were going to be slim to none that I could trade into one. Um, so I, I took the opportunity and it ended up working out. Um, he got a bunch of my Tom Brady cards that I, I still bug him for today to trade back to me. But um, I have, you know, I acquired a cornerstone of my PC. I love it. Can uh the re- replacement cards. I think that's an interesting topic that a, 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 a lot of people don't necessarily talk about, but you just brought up. So it's like this idea of we all want to be ripe with cash and we all want to be sitting on stacks of cash so that when that opportunity comes of that card, we always want that we can just say, here's the cash, give me card. In all likelihood, that's just not the way it works. So we're sitting on these stacks of cards, slabs, whatever of these cards that we've been acquiring and have owned for quite some time. And if you're a Brady collector, obviously they've gone up in value over, you know, the last few years at a rate that probably no one could anticipate. But so then this card pops up that is on your list and you, you need it and you want it. You look at your case and your case is full of these cards that you love. Like, but then you assess, like there's love on both sides. Love. I want to acquire this piece. Love. These are pieces that I have. Then you say, all right, well, like, am I going to have another at bat at this? Like, what what is that going to look like? And maybe even if you're dealing with someone who you see regularly and you know, you might be able to boomerang those cards back in your PC at some level. So, like, it's maybe just like, you talk about just talk about the mindset on that, like, front, like, with just like you going through that experience, like, it's got to be difficult, but like, what are like the types of like, assessments and decisions? Like, how did you think about it? Like dig into that a little bit to, and let us know like what, what were the driving forces and how you eventually made it happen? Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head. You, you always use the analogy, your, your CEO of your own collection. 
So, you know, I, I always take that mindset. I do an inventory in my collection and, you know, I say, have I ever seen these cards pop up before on eBay? And if so, how frequently do I see them come up on eBay? You know, if they're cards that I see regularly or or maybe not regularly, but I know I can easily acquire within a, a time frame, reacquire them, I'm more apt to give them up in trade. But I knew the card that I was I wanted. Sure, if I ha- if I was sitting on you know a house worth of cash, sure I could acquire that card at any point in time. But you know I'm not part of that one percent of the hobby that sits on that kind of cash. So yeah, I, and one of the cards I I gave up to to get it was a PSA ten Bowman Chrome, just regular rookie card, and I was like, oh my god, this is like one of his, it's like the Jordan 86 Jordan. It's his baseline rookie. I'm going to give this up. And that was hard for me. But then I went and looked on eBay. I'm like, man, these things pop up all the time. If I give this up and I need to reacquire, feel the need to reacquire it down the line, I know I can always do that. Um, And that's how I looked at it. You know, all those cards that I gave up, it's like, what would I rather have in my collection? What's going to What's going to take my collection to the next level? I, I, I always also use the mindset of scarcity. Mm-hmm. You know, who else has this card? Am I going to become, you know, part of an elite group that, you know, there's a handful of us that have this card now, you know, so, so I, I always like to look at cards that set me apart from somebody else, another collector, and just makes you different from another Brady collector. So that's why too I'm kind of drawn to the 2014 flawless as well. It's they're so limited. Um, the production years are limited, and and the product print runs themselves are very limited. So you're you're already part of an elite group. Um, same way with you know your I know you have some crazy Peyton Manning rookies, and there are some that only a very few of you own. And that that's how I look at my cards. What can I give up that I know? I'll be able to acquire down the line if I need to. I love it. The, it it uh, hurt. Trust me, it hurt. <laughs> Some of the really cards hurt. I gave up, it hurt. <laughs> I know. I I uh so for me, it's I see a card I want and I I look and I'm like, it's that moment where you go to your case and it's like, I gotta say goodbye to some of these cards because you know the way the market is going and you know, you like the cards, but you may not have that same love and it's just making those decisions. But I'll tell you what, like, and I'm sure you, you maybe feel this way or maybe you don't feel this way, but it's like, once you get the new card, after you've gone through all of the work, you kind of, you might miss the cards a little bit, but the fact that you have that new, it, it's a sense of accomplishment. You know, you went through the process and now you have that new piece. So it like, it sits on a pedestal a little bit higher than what you just offloaded. And you typically, what I found is it's zero regrets type of thing. Definitely. You have a little bit more appreciation to the card you just acquired. And now you have a story behind the card that, you know, you can always go back to and like, gee, I gave up all these cards to get this card. That's how much this new card means to me now. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. You're absolutely right. One thing I think collectors have a difficult time with, and I'm I'm going through this right now with some of the wrestling stuff that I, I collect, is like I bought in on some of the shiny low serial number, the rock stuff, when it was a percentage of what it's going for now. 
And now I look at the prices and yeah, it makes me feel good because the price in my, the cards in my case are going up in value. But like, there were a lot of cards I really wanted that now it's like, man, I can't even justify like going after this. And if I do go after this, it's back to the consolidation game. I know that's like every Brady collector has been dealing with that. Like, what is your, like, uh, what's, how have you been processing like his market just exploding and like maybe thinking like maybe some of the cards you should have bought or you wanted to buy at a time, you just, you, you, now they seem to be kind of outside your range. Like talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I kind of enjoyed for a very brief moment when he retired and his market kind of took a dip a little bit. I was like, Oh great. I'm going to have an opportunity to buy some cards. They're, they're starting to go down in value. Um, and I'm really happy he's coming back to play. Um, but now his cards are going back up. The other thing I find too, when his market goes up, you have a new opportunity. Now collectors open up their collection, realize, wow, I have some expensive cards. I can get a lot of money. I'm going to sell these cards. So you start to see cards you've never seen before come to market. So even though his market's going up, it still brings opportunity to acquire some rare cards you've never seen before. So I try and look at the positive in both ways. You know, when the market's down, it's like, great, I can acquire cards for better prices, better deals. And when his market goes up, oh, I can't wait to see some of the cards I haven't seen before come to market and try and grab those. But you're right. It's, you know, it's, it's a consolidation game. You know, you're constantly ranking your collection and, you know, those cards that fall to the bottom of the ranks, you know, those are the cards that you're willing to give up. And what I find with Brady collector and any collector in general, when you ask another collector and I I get asked a lot, Hey, would you sell your Brady for X amount of dollars? And I'll, tell someone they're like you're crazy you need to sell that car and I'm like no but I'm never going to be able to replace it but if someone if that same collector rather than offering me cash offered me another rare card that I would never have the chance of acquiring that's a different ball game I may open up my PC and you know trade a card I never thought of trading to get another card that I never thought I could acquire I think in that respect, trading's undervalued because it gives collectors an opportunity to, you know, not laying out cash, but, you know, cards that have been deep in collections now can start to change hands. I think cards you never thought you'd acquire because no one, you know, to sell a card that someone bought, you know, for pennies on a dollar, you know, yeah, that. I'm not saying the cash doesn't mean anything, but to me, the card means more to me personally. I love the card itself. The value isn't everything to me. Um, But if I can trade it and get another card that I equally or even more so enjoy or love, I'm going to trade that card. And I've done it. There's so much good stuff there to what you just said. And we put, like when we post our cards, and we, there are cards and we want to share them with the community. A lot of people, myself included, put NFS after we go through our whole thing, which means not for sale. And what still happens? 
people still slide into the DMs and say, I know you put NFS, but can we talk about this? And I always say no, because it's not for sale. And I know that if it's, especially if it's a one of one or something like there's nothing like no offer right now that you can give me that makes me want to get rid of that. However, it does not say not for trade. So that is what, if, if you see someone's card that you want, you should be able to just look at their Instagram page and know what they collect and like, and maybe you're, you're better off taking something out of your PC or going, finding a card that you think a collector would like and presenting them. Hey, I've got this card. Could we, I know it's not for sale, but can we trade this and maybe sprinkle on some cat that then maybe the conversation starts. So I think you just unlocked something there that, um, People should start start thinking more about like we're collectors. Like we know it's going up in value, but like if I were to sell it, what would I want to do? Just go buy the same thing again. So exactly. I think that's an important call out. Exactly. I I love trading more than anything in the hobby. That's my favorite thing to do. I resources are limited, cash resources are limited, but you have cards, you have equity in your cards. And the whole process around trading. It's fun. You know, you're connecting with other collectors. You're talking about the cards. You're learning about other cards. Um, You're building and creating relationships. Like the whole process around the trade itself is fun. And then not to mention at the end of it, you're acquiring a card you really like. So the whole thing's a a win-win. Oh, man. I think I could go on this topic forever. Um, Before I let you uh, get out of here, you've shared so much good insight. I want to know. So it says on your profile, Patrick Waugh, Derek Jeter, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning, and other cool stuff. I know Brady's kind of your primary. Are the other guys people you appreciate? But that's like a when I'm not like sniffing around or can't figure out like a Brady play. Like I need to still make activity and I still like these guys. So I'm going to go. They're my like second tier. I'm going to go look after them. Is it, Am I reading that correctly or is it something different? Definitely. So Patrick Waugh, he, he was my idol growing up. Like I emulated my, my play after him. Um, I have a whole monster box full of cards. If I see his cards at a show, you know, I'm usually walking away with something. The value is not equivalent to Tom Brady value. That does not mean anything to me. He is just a player. I idolize. I grew up with, if I ever get the chance to meet with him, it'll be a bucket list of bucket lists for me. Derek Jeter, you know, I grew up in a household of New York Yankee fans. He was my favorite baseball player. I love the fact that he stayed on one team his entire career. Um, He won so many championships. He was the captain. I have two cards left in my collection that I will probably not move of his. I have his 1993. SP um, rookie card graded nine five, um, and I have a a, lo- um, a logo one of one of um, of him that their cards I treasure. It's I love him the player, um, just what he represented. It's his cool, calm, collective attitude, playing in the biggest media market in baseball, and then Peyton. I was running my Peyton Manning and Tom Brady collections parallel at one point. And then I came to a crossroads where I knew I was never going to take either collection to the next level unless I picked one. And I was like, you know what? I'm local Tom Brady. I, I appreciate him. I, I just feel the connection more with Brady. 
So there was this one card in my patent PC that if I moved it, I knew I was going to move the rest of them because this Mm -hmm. card was like my favorite patent card. It was, um, it was a national treasures notable nickname. So it had his autograph number to 10, but then he inscribed it the sheriff. So I said, if I ever move that card, I'm just going to consolidate the rest of my patent and put, you know, those funds towards Brady. And that's what I ended up doing. I appreciate Peyton just as much. It's just, I needed to focus my collection and I, I love following your page and Drake and uh, Kevin and seeing all those Peyton cards. I, I still wish I could continue, um, but my appreciation is still there. It's just Brady is my main focus. I, I love it. And I think that's something important too to call out. It's like you collect what you want, but like that insight there that you I would be spreading myself too thin and it would hinder me from going harder at more rare and scarce Brady stuff. I think that's just good, good self-awareness and like you can't have enough self-awareness and going through those learnings and realizing like what you want to end up with, who has more sentimental value and that sort of thing. So I think that's a good call out. Yeah. I, I, I really wish I could have, I could have kept both going, but I knew, you know, to take either collection to the next level, it, it was going to require funds or equity that I, I needed to find in my collection. And again, I, I lost a few nights of sleep over the decision, a few tears shed, um, <laughs> but I'm happy I made the decision I did. And the hunt continues with Brady for me. Well, I'm excited because you're always posting awesome cards and this has been a lot of fun, Lauren, to talk with you and learn from you. Um, you can go follow her at LFGoalie31. Lauren, I'll have to get you back on. There's so many subtopics in here that I think are important to the collector that I could have gone deeper uh, with you on the, on those, but happy collecting and thanks so much for joining. Right, I had a blast. Can't wait till the next time. She is someone I could talk to about cards forever. We did that once the recording stopped. Tons of good insight. Make sure you hit follow on her Instagram page at LFGoalie31. There are so many amazing collectors in the hobby. And what I'm trying to do is bring their story and their process to you. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be back. More Stacking Slaps next week. Bye.